All right, Buzz Buzz Babies, we are back for another episode, and this week I have an amazing writer in the house. He's written The Flintstones. He's written Not All Robots. He just wrote one of the best Superman stories I've ever read. I can't believe how good it is. I can't believe he agreed to talk to me, but I'm so glad he did. Mark Russell is in the house this lovely Friday night. Mark, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Blake. Doing good. I am so stoked to talk to you. I love your comics. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but you're a hell of a writer. Like oh, I'm sure you I'm sure you've heard that time and time again. <laughs> Not as often as I'd like, but uh but I'll take it. <laughs> um you're this is uh the, you know, coming off of uh, a little bit uh, off the release of Superman Space Age number one, which I don't know anybody who's had anything bad to say about it at all. I'm sure um, they're in there. <laughs> I heard, you know, like I heard a couple people like th th not like complaining, but they were, I guess, surprised at the cover price. But we're at like almost we're at 90 pages. It's like yeah. you're almost at a, a full tray, like a, an original graphic novel. You page know, if, if page, you know. it's an extremely good deal. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. And, and I'm. I mean, you know, you got you got one of the best artists uh, making making these pictures for you too. Man. Yeah, even like, if it were you know like ten bucks for a like a thirty page comic with Mike Allred on the art, it's it'd still be worth it. This, yeah, this it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and, and there's gonna be three issues, right? So we're, this is gonna That's be right. like it's gonna be a nice girthy hardcover when it yes. when it drops. It'll it'll uh, be a perfect complement to any coffee table or bookshelf. I think when it's done, uh, yeah, it'll be a like like a, a two hundred forty page uh, graphic novel uh, with three books set in like different decades. The first one's obviously set in the sixties. Number two is going to be the seventies, and then third is going to wrap up in the eighties. So yeah, it will it will be a full. I kind of wrote it the way I, I I would write a novel, or you know, and so it's written to be all, all to work almost like a prose novel, uh, not just be a series of comic books, which is one thing I think this format really helps with. Nice. I I was going to ask why, um, I like why this format, um, and and I don't know, I'm you know like. With it, with a with the ninety pages, you know, three issues, um, you know, why release it this way instead of like, you know, what would it be? I guess about like, you know, nine or ten issues or so. If if you were just releasing yeah. like standard uh, issue format, like what what about this spoke to you and made this made you want to go that route? Well, I think it allows you to tell a more in-depth story because you don't have to worry about the conventions of a twenty-page comic book. You don't have to worry about like. This, all this, you know, having the requisite number of splash pages or ending on like, you know, a, a note every 20 pages, you can just tell the story and let the rhythm of the, let the story you want to tell dictate the rhythm versus the other way around. Okay. So it's actually like flow wise. Um, and then like, you know, uh, like, you, you know, the you tension and, and how organically the pages turn, like, you know, it's, it was a little easier to, to write on your end, like with given that, uh, yeah. Given that page length, I like this format better, frankly, than the normal format because uh, you know you, you get to explain yourself a little better. Like people who might not understand why you made a choice or what's going on in the first twenty pages, it's revealed probably the next twenty or the next sixty pages, so they feel like they're in good hands because the mysteries are getting resolved in a timely fashion, and you're not worried about them remembering something they read three months ago to make sense of something they're reading today you can just go ahead and do this foreshadowing and, and put these little Easter eggs in, uh, in, in one 
volume, which I think works better as reading experience. And, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, writing a single issue, like, like a 20 page issue and like a 240 page story, the reviews come out. It's like reviewing like the first 10 minutes of a movie. It's, it's, it's like harder for people to get a handle on, on the story you're telling when it's chopped up into like, you know, 12 segments versus like three. Yeah. I, well, so as a reviewer, I like, you know, trades and in, in the, in the original graphic novel format, uh, I'm a wordy person. So like, I mean, even my, my single issue reviews kind of go on longer than a lot of the other reviewers. Um, but it, it, as a, you know, as a reviewer, it's easier, you have more things to talk about. Uh, and then, and you can deep dive into other elements. Right. And it's not, it, it's harder to spoil stuff, uh, and yeah. easier to, to talk about, you know, the, the thing that you're reviewing as a consumer. I also like it because, it's just more, right? There's this, yeah. there's, there's more to enjoy. Uh, you're, you're wrapped up and swept away. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I love the comic book format, you know, I'm I, obviously I wouldn't do what I do now if I didn't love it, but you know, like that, you know, month to month and then hey, sometimes you suffer delays and that can like, yeah. you know, that, that can kind of hinder the narrative. And, and then, you know, sometimes you got to refresh yourself a month later. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to spend more time with a story than, than just, you know, the, you know, 25 to 30 pages or so. Yeah. And last but not least, you know, people will pay less money to read the story this way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like the fact that like, I think it's, it makes everyone experience better. Uh, because people are able to get more of what you're doing before they, they really, you know, start talking about it or before they have to start thinking about it. And so it's, I think it's a richer experience, both as a writer and for readers. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I love it. I, I mean, I, image has been doing it for a while. Like the Brubaker and Phillips, you know, reckless novels are amazing. Uh, and, well, I and can't they, imagine those broken up into like individual issues. I can't even imagine what that would look like. Yeah. And well, and all just the packaging too, right? Like I love these like little hardcovers, like they're going to look great on the shelf. It's just, you know, it's a nice, and those are, those are about 80 to 90 pages each. And, uh, and, and, you know, and I mean, those, I mean, they come in a hardcover, so they're, they're, you know, a little bit more expensive, but you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's complaining about paying for those. I don't think, I don't think anybody's complaining about paying uh, for Superman space age either. It's, I just think, I think some people were taken aback when they saw the price tag, but then like when you, when you see people like, it's a trade basically, like it's yeah. not really a, a, a single issue. No, I by any means. Seeing it on the shelves and thinking, Oh, see it like front facing and thinking, Oh, it's just a, you know, like a, like a normal 20 to 30 page comic book. And then why am I paying 10 bucks for this? But yeah, once you realize it's like an 80 page comic book, 80 to 90 pages, then, then, you know, the $10 price tag makes a lot more sense. Now you said, you said you kind of enjoy this. How's, how's, how's Mike feel? Like, what's it, has he like talked about, is it hard to keep up like on his end with deadlines and stuff? Or do you guys, did you guys kind of plan and have, have enough time to, to get everything ready? Yeah, like, I, think, I think we gave him enough slack. I mean, I guess, I guess that'd be a better question for him. He might not feel that way, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I th one thing I think it really has allowed Mike to do is to like disregard my page breakdowns and it gives him more room to sort of play with the format like a lot of times he'll say look i'll do everything you want to do in these three pages but i'm going to make this a splash page and just push a push a, a few extra panels onto the other page and i've told him you know just do what you will like these are all suggestions on my part you're the you're the artist here and his choices are just unerringly good they just it's like every choice he makes improves it and he's got more of that freedom i think to move things around uh when he's working with 80 pages versus 20 yeah his art it's 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 interesting like 
you, you, these 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 iconic artists and writers too like um but every stuff everything i see from it, he like he continues to get better and like the the pages in the superman comic are like just blow my mind like i have the uh, i have volume 1 of of the madman library and and i've been like slowly taking chunks of that out and it's beautiful and and i love it um but and then like and then like you know skipping forward a bit to like ecstatics and then like now skipping forward again to this superman comic and like he just keeps he just keeps like blowing people's minds like did yeah. when when you were coming up with this like did did you go to him were you like are, are you're the guy or, or like how did how did this pairing how did you and him come together the weird thing like Brittany, the editor and myself like she said you know pretend like you can get anyone you want anyone in the world who's alive uh make a list of artists you want i'll make a list of artists i want so we both made our lists and mike mike's name was on both of our lists but i never imagined for a million years that mike already would be available that he'd just be sitting around waiting for a call <laughs> from, from us uh but but amazingly he was available and so like as soon as she she told me well mike's available i was like don't don't even ask anyone else just just lock him up now because he brings such a brilliant science fiction sensibility it, it, it's both cosmic and yet it feels sort of like retro mm -hmm. and to me it just felt like you this is the perfect guy for this because he captures that this is like a sort of historical fiction and also it's it's a small it's like by and large a science fiction story so i just thought he was just the perfect match for this i love how you both made lex luther an even bigger asshole like i mean like he's 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 always yeah, been well you can't say he's always been a bad dude because he kind of crossed that line like in new 52 you like joined the justice league for a minute and he like they, they've kind of like blended him now but i mean like he is full-on terrorist bad guy in this well, i think the, the, the key to lex luther is you just can't go big enough with him i mean i think that you know he just feels like it's his planet and the rest of us are just sort of like living on it so the more you can lean into that the better your lex luther is going to be yeah that, that that that's a great way to, to put it i now i couldn't help but like when when i'm reading this and um like you're not to like take any originality from what you and mike are doing but like it really reminded me uh it had a lot of like new frontier vibes uh, of you know darwin yeah i'm Cook. hearing that a lot which you know i i do not i, I take that that comparison uh as a compliment because I love New Frontier. And and I think, yeah, there's a lot of probably similarities in the sense that it's like dealing, it's a, it's a merging of superheroes with history. And it's and it's in a way sort of like retelling the the mythology of these heroes. So uh, yeah, I, I, I welcome comparisons um, because I'm such a huge fan of uh, New Frontier. And I think that, yeah, we are in a lot of ways trying to do the, the same thing just a little differently. It also surprised me. So like, I, I don't, I, I appreciate solicits. I say this all the time. Like I know comic books need them, but I do think sometimes solicits can give uh, a, a bit much, you know, like they can sometimes reveal too much and uh, borderline spoil some things. And so like, when I heard about this, I was like, Oh, Superman, Mark Russell done. Like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here for it. And Mike, like, I, I like, I didn't need to read anything about it. So when like I hopped into the narrative, I was a little take I, the historical aspect. I, 
I was kind of taken aback, you know, and we start in like, we start in 85 and the world's ending. And I was like, wait a second. And then as the narrative progresses, like you're, we're bringing in like crisis elements and the multiverse and like, you know, things start to kind of piece together and make sense. Um, But I also appreciated how, even with this being a Superman story, it's still, you're, it's, it's turning into also a Justice League story um focused on superman i I really like how you write when when clark is with his parents and stuff and um i just i can't imagine like superman is hard enough to write i feel like just the the pressure from like outside forces and fans and we all know that like some fans can be a little intense and mean basically you know hard they're hard to appease at, at all times but to like write superman's parents and to write lessons that they're giving both to Clark and your audience uh, in, in terms of like, uh, you know, suffering and when to when to decide to be a hero and when to reveal yourself to the world. Um, there's a lot of heavy pressure there, I would think. Uh, how, how do you cope with that? And 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 and. Or do you just disregard it and and be like, you know what? I'm going to write the story I'm going to write and you're either going to like it or you're not. And obviously we're liking it. But I, I mean, like, is that ever tricky when you're when you're writing that kind of dialogue between between the, you know, between the Clarks and, and these heavy lessons that that you kind of, you know, disperse throughout the narrative? Well, like you said, I just sort of write what I want to read. I don't really worry about like how people are going to take it. I just assume that no matter what I write. A certain amount of people are going to love it. A certain amount of people are going to hate it. And in the end, you write for the people who like your work. There's no point trying to write for people who who hate what you do. So I, I never try to change what I'm going to do based upon what I think how I think readers are going to react because they're they're just going to react the way they they want to, and that's fair. Uh, so conversely, I'm just going to write the way I want to, and and hopefully we'll all match up. You know, we'll all find the people who are writing what we want to read and, and reading the people who who uh, are writing what we want to to hear and. Uh, and so I, uh, you know, I, I just try to like be as true to, to what it is I'm trying to say. That's really the challenge to me is like, how can I put what I'm trying to say or what, what is meaningful about this character to me in as few as words as possible? And to me, that's the, that's the goal of my writing. I, you're very good at that. So like, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, your, your other narratives, like not all robots or like uh, the, the Flintstones and um, second coming and how like you you kind of put these these character archetypes right that we're familiar with but you bring this like really intense humanness uh into these narratives whether it's whether it's iconic superheroes whether you're writing jesus christ or or whether you're like whether you're writing like fred flintstone of and 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 you just make no matter what time period no matter what kind of chaos um is is you know around these characters in in the comics you you ground them into these really intense like human moments and i think that's where a lot of the the charm and heart for your comics comes from and it and there it it kind of creates like a universality uh with your audience right because it's like uh, anybody who like can't relate to some of these feelings and emotions like they got to be either they're they're like dead inside or they're not human right like i I just like to tell all my critics you are dead inside yeah if you don't like this book you're a soulless yeah, like creature I wish that I, is be like my one line response to every negative review. What happened to you as a child? <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I uh, 
I feel like um, that you that that there's no point in playing safe when you're writing a comic because it's a, one of the few visual mediums where you don't have like executives looking over your shoulder, where you don't have focus groups saying, you know what, this this ending didn't pull right, so we're going to ask you to change it to a happy ending. You don't have that pressure of comics, so because you have the freedom, because no one's really looking, why aren't you using it? You should be taking chances. You know, I um I don't know, you I don't know if you've seen the uh the Johnny Cash biopic um Walk the Line, uh starring Joaquin Phoenix. But there's a line in there, you know, Johnny Cash is like auditioning for the studio and he plays like this really soporific uh kind of cheesy uh song in the studio because he thinks it's what they want to hear. And the the producer just stops him and says, This is this is nonsense. What are you doing? He's like, he's like, I want you to pretend like you are are dying on the road. And you uh, have one last chance to sing a song. It's just a song sung from you to God. What is it you're going to sing? And that's when he sings uh, Walk the Line. And that's kind of my philosophy of writing comics. It's like uh, act as though this is like the last thing you're going to be able to write. What is it you have to say at the world at this moment if you knew that this is going to be the last thing you're going to write? And that's sort of my my guiding star in writing. I try to try to bring that to it. Like, you know, I, I, I think of like my son, him reading this someday and thinking if this is like if I died tomorrow and this is the last thing he of mine he was to read, what is it I'd want to say to him? You know. Wow, dude, fuck, man, no, no wonder your shit's so prolific. Like that—that's that, how you're like sitting down at the at the keyboard when you start hacking and pecking, man. That's that's so that's both super inspiring and and just just wild to like. Oh man, I I, I think it, that you know, there's no point in writing with an arm tied behind your back. You know, yeah. just just write what it is you have to say in as clear. If anything worth saying is worth saying loudly. So just write what it is you have to say in as clear and, you know, imaginative way as you can. Did, did you ever get any pushback? Like, uh, so like I was, I've been really like, I've been really excited to talk religion with you. Like since we scheduled this, I was raised Catholic. I'm not anything really anymore because the church like ruined all that for me, uh, as I was like growing up in it. But you know, like all it's, it's weird. Like I, I still very much like experience that Catholic guilt phenomenon. Right. And it like, still like that shit like plagues that me. never goes away. <laughs> yeah, It's like ingrained. And, um, but I, you know, like I remember when second coming came out. Right. And, and I was just like the, the, when the, you know, it was one thing to like hear the premise and be like, Holy shit. And then to like really read it and, and experience it. And it's both like, um, just like this, like I mentioned in Superman, except more humorous, but like you, there's all these like really intense life lessons dispersed, uh, you know, you know, very well. It's not overbearing, you know, you're not, you're not beating people over the head with morals and, and like, you know, like there's definitely an agenda there, but it's, it's like a, it's like a casual agenda, I guess. Yeah. I think my agenda is just like imposing my, my thoughts and feelings on other people. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's going to be political. Sometimes it'll be economic. Sometimes it'll just be spiritual. That's really my only agenda is to be heard. Well, I, I, we're hearing you, man. I got uh, that's that's for damn sure. Um, but w- was it uh, what what was the kind of feedback? Because I've you know in my circle with like you know the the heathens and the nerds and and you know like the 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 chill crowd, right? Like. I feel like everybody really dug, you know, second coming. Uh, and, and I really like, I, I like Richard Pace too. Right. And like, I thought you two like were a good pair. Um, but I mean, like, 
did you ever did you get like some like intense was there any like really like intense hate mail or like did people like pick it outside of your house or or your comic book signing because i I mean i I feel like you walked a really intense line that like could make a lot of people angry real quick real easy well luckily i don't put any of my personal information on you know social media so they'd have a hard time probably finding my house (laughs) that's that's by design but yeah i got some some really some kind of nasty uh stuff online uh which you know at the time i naively thought well you know people might people will uh wait until they've read the comic to form a judgment and then they they won't be offended and of course they didn't incredibly naive yeah (laughs) i've written books and i've written comics and the big difference is that uh when you write a book people will will wait till they read the book to decide that they hate it whereas comics people just form a judgment the minute it's it's announced you know and i think that's what what happened with second coming and there was like a um a petition campaign to get DC to drop it because at the time it was signed with Vertigo when Vertigo was still a thing. And there, it got like half a million signatures and the petition, the online petition that was circulating each person who signed it, it auto auto generated an email that went directly to Dan DiDio's inbox. So I got a call. He didn't realize what was going on until like, you know, you saw like 120,000 of these, these emails. And and so he's (laughs) like, well, next time you come to Burbank, you got to help me uh, clean out my inbox. But they but, did uh, cave, right? Because that's why Ahoy put it out. They uh, they sort of caved. They uh, The heat was a little too hot, which I understand. It's not really DC's. I thought it was a little daring in the begin with that for the DC would put out a comic about Jesus Christ. Of course, in the yeah. old days of Vertigo, they wouldn't have blanched at it. I mean, when they were doing like Constantine and Preacher and, mm-hmm. you know, Sandman. This, this would have been par for the course. But this is a different day and age. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, uh, so, so. They, 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 they didn't cancel it, but they politely asked me if I would consider taking it somewhere else, and I was happy to do it. One because you know I get I, that way I get paid twice, and <laughs> and also because you know when you go with a smaller publisher, they actually you know it's kind of a checkmate for the people who are trying to shake you down with with you know negativity, because a small publisher welcomes that mm-hmm. controversy, they welcome that publicity because it puts them on the map. So it's like, yeah, you want to like sign a petition? You want to like run a story in Fox News about this comic? Go ahead, because you know they're gonna. This publisher is hoping, they're dreaming of, of this, uh, of that, of, of you doing that. And so I felt like it was kind of a win-win for me to take it to Ahoy. And Ahoy has been great. Uh, they let me make the comic just the way I wanted. They let me put in extra pages in the first issue and uh, you know just basically been on my side like just make the comic that you and richard want to make and we'll we'll just back you up and so they've been incredible to work with on on second coming and they're the reason i think it's it's as good as as it is you know uh you know uh for better or for worse well and then you 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 ended up doing a couple one or two other comics with them too right like oh yeah uh, Bill, they're Bill like Nair, a regular Nair Nair island i think I've, do, uh, I've done Billionaire Island. Uh, I do, I've done My Bad, which I'm co-writing with. Uh, that's the, that's your new one, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're like a uh, a regular home for me now. I've also written, although it hasn't been released yet, a full graphic novel of uh, sort of gothic horror 
comics about the serial mascots, you know, like Count Chocula and, and Frankenberry. What? Yeah. So I'm hoping that will come out soon. But uh, but it's it's like Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry, if they were like in sort of a Game of Thrones type universe. Oh, my God. No way. That You're so fucking good at that, dude. Just, just like I when I think of your Flintstones run, like I remember when everybody was like oh my god you have to read flintstones and i was like do i and then i saw who was writing it and i was like okay like now it makes sense right but it you know as, as a that's weird to hear sometimes right like just like oh my god like this new flintstones comic is blowing everybody's mind and it's like i was talking to my dad about this because my my dad doesn't really read comics but he he's really supportive with like the blog and the podcast and he's he's like you know he thinks it's cool and and I was telling him, I was like, I was like, dad, I'm, I'm reading this fucking Flintstones comic, man. And it's like, it's like real life in bedrock. I mean, like real gritty, the hard truths of life that you like would never expect. Right. And, and you know, the, the idea of like, I love the idea of, of crap. Right. And, and like, and, and of like Fred freaking out about uh of money uh right which these are things you don't get in, in the cartoon right you know like or, or the how hard he works for you know for 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 just a few literally a few pebbles right like that's how he gets paid and just like the way that you can put real life into these odd circumstances and it's just and not many people can do that and, and i mean I, i'm a fan of a lot of writers out there and there's so much talent out there but the the real the everydayness of humanity and it's and it's how mundane it is right and and these things we wake up and experience this all day until we go to sleep right and it's hard to make that interesting but you make it seem so easy and it's like it's wildly aggravating to someone who wants to be a good writer right like it's just like it's 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 like something to, to aspire towards but also just like I mean, it, it's like looking at these amazing artists who draw these amazing pictures and page layouts. And, and it's just like, I, I, you can't believe that they can do what they do. And I, that's how I feel when I read your works. Cause it's like, I know these things, right? I experience them. I live them. This is life, but I'm, I'm looking at it at a different angle under a different light and in a totally different circumstance, whether it's, whether it's in bedrock or, or in, in the, in the past with Superman and the justice league or, or with a sort of superman figure and jesus christ buddy cop comic kind of deal like it's yeah. just it's wild man like you're 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 awesome mark like i i hope i hope you know like when you go to bed at night you're like man I, i'm a real good writer and i'm making i'm telling some damn good stories and making a lot of nerds happy i, I hope you know <laughs> that when you go to bed man. uh el, EL doctor has a great quote which I, I lean on a lot he said there's no such thing as a good writer there's just a lot of bad writers who never give up <laughs> and i feel like that's me it's like i i had uh decades of futility where i was writing things which justifiably nobody else wanted to read so i feel like but i've i feel like over time you chip away at those parts and you become you know more like and I, this is what i like about writing is that it's a form of therapy it's it's not just about becoming a better writer it's about becoming who you really are hmm. and to me that's the best writing is like this is somebody who's like not just worked on writing this is somebody who's worked on themselves and is now like a uh like a like a like a like a, a steel a finely honed steel sword that cuts to right the core of what that is they want to say and uh and that's what i've i've tried to become over the years it's just this this really well-tempered uh sword that cuts to the heart of what it is that that i want to say during my brief time here on the planet 
So you you used to be like you used to be a mainly prose writer, right? Before you yeah. moved into into com like what how did you how'd you get here? Like uh how how'd you stumble into sequential graphic storytelling? Well, I think stumbling is probably a good analogy. Like uh for a long time, you know, I I just because what happened was DC contacted me and they they asked me, they said well, they're gonna do a reboot of a of a comic about the first teenage president called Prez. And they asked me if I'd be interested in writing it. And I was intrigued because I'd never written a comic book. So I felt like, well, I, I probably need a better reason to say no than yes. So I said <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, for a long time, I just assumed that it was because they had read my books. and They liked my books. And I was actually at a panel in San Diego Comic-Con telling the stories. Well, I'd written these books and DC must have really liked them. And uh, Marie Javens, my editor on the Flintstones and Prez, happened to be in the, the audience of the panel. And she stood up in the middle of my panel and she said, that's not true. And I said, what do you mean? And then, you know, I invited her up to the, the, to the table, the panel, to tell my origin story, which I was, you know, as interested as anyone else to, to hear, finally. And she said, it had nothing to do with your books. You had been writing this Count Chocula fan fiction on Facebook. And I read that, and I thought, this guy should be writing a comic book. And so, and this is what I'm now publishing with Ahoy, my, like, sort of, like, Count Chocula fan fiction story. So it's actually going to become a comic book. But, you know, that was what, what got me a call from DC Comics. It wasn't, you know, the, the, the five years of research and writing books that I'd done prior to that. It was just this sort of giggly, like, Count Chocula fan fiction I'd put on. But, you know, I think it's a very important lesson that, you know, as a writer, you know, everything you do is sort of a lottery ticket that's scratched off by the universe. You just don't know what people are going to see and which one's going to like get you noticed. You just got to put stuff out there. Yeah. Where was that? That I totally agree. Though that's so I'm I'm I came I I was like an MFA kid, creative writing program stuff, and um and now I now I interview now I interview writers all the time, um which is inter like I never really thought you know that's how things would be. Like I always thought it was cool like in grad school when they like brought in like the guest lecturers and like like oh like this New York Times bestseller is going to come in and he'll look at a couple of your essays and like talk to you about it and it was like oh that's so cool you know and then like and now I'm in debt forever and and yeah you know, like I, <laughs> but but also like it's crazy now cuz you know, that was one of my favorite parts. I miss the workshops. I really do miss like you know reading other people's stuff and submitting you know, I, cause I've, I felt that helped me write more too. It was, well, a, cause I had to, right. We had deadlines, right. this, your grade depended on it, right? Like you have to submit this story in a couple weeks. Um, but also like, it just, it kind of like that, that communal aspect of the workshop, like helped me want to write more or like, I really liked someone else's story and like wanted to one up them or something, you know, like that, that kind of that friendly competition, um, but one of the coolest parts was like, oh, like I get to like talk to these real people that are like in the field, like working and like, it, you know, working in it, getting they they put, put novels out, getting reviewed. And, like um, and now it's crazy because like I get to this is all I do now. I talk to I talk to you guys like all the time. And, and uh, I always joke that like I'm, I'm like st I'm, I'm slowly stealing all your ideas so that I can make like something cool myself. But it's just, it's so rewarding uh and and so exciting um and and i was like so, like i told a couple of my friends tonight i was real fucking nervous to talk to you just because i like i absolutely respect the shit out of you and, and your and your stories blow my mind and like it's just it it's i did not expect to hear that 
you like you're like well i i wrote this count chocula fan fiction and now i make these amazing prolific comic books like that's just like but it i mean that's how life is right life is weird yeah. and 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 it, it th- unexpected things happen right and and i think and and that's that's how your stories kind of come across too is like fucking life is weird unexpected things happen yeah. i'm gonna tell a superman story or you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna write jesus like as the, you know like it's 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 so cool and um when <laughs> when does this count chocula book come out like i like is it, do we have to wait long because i i don't i'm on a hoist press list and i've heard nothing yeah. about this <laughs> No, they're they're going to release it all together. I mean, it's been it, a, a few chapters were uh, serialized in their Edgar Allan Poe Snifter of Terror uh, series, but the, the thing as a whole, um, most of which has not been hitherto seen, is going to come out uh, as a as a trade. I don't, I have no idea when. I think there's well, they're still doing the art on um, like a couple of the chapters, so it's not even finished yet. But I'm done writing it. Nice. But yeah, it's it's you know writing is a crapshoot. Like I. I thought, you know, myself, I would um, do an MFA thing. And then I decided, but like you, I probably like that. Well, do I really want to go in, in debt for a career that's probably not going to make me any money? And uh, so I decided, well, I'll just write a book. That'll be my MFA. And I started working on a novel and it was, and, and you know, I quickly realized, well, not quickly, I slowly realized that it was garbage. <laughs> At least most of it was garbage. <laughs> but, you know, it's as important to realize what you're not doing well as what you are doing well. And that was in a lot of ways, my writing school, my, my college of writing was, uh, was writing poorly and realizing that I was writing poorly. But, but, you know, I also joined like a writing group. And like you said, it was extremely helpful because I had to keep producing pages week after week and also just being exposed to other writers who are writing vastly different stuff mm-hmm. keeps you on your toes, keeps you like aware of what other people are doing and makes you think more critically about your own work. So for people who are looking to become writers or to become better writers, I highly recommend joining like a weekly writing group or doing workshops because if nothing else, it keeps you moving forward, which is the best thing you can do as a writer. And it keeps you reading too. Like, I, I mean, I, I read all the time because of what I do, but I, unfortunately I read, I don't get to read prose as much anymore because I'm always reading like review copies and, and prepping for interviews. And, and my interviewees are mostly comic book writers. Right. Um, but it, I, I forget that too, sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, like you, you need to read other stuff and, and, and not just, even if it's other comics or like comic, like in a genre that you don't usually, you know, you don't usually dig. Like I had the recently in the, within the last year, I started getting a lot more into fantasy stuff. Like I used to not be, I like the movies, right? Like Lord of the Rings, Conan, stuff like that, that, you know, like that was, but I never read much of it. And, and I, I feel like, you know, uh, last year was like the year of horror, right? Like there, there was, we were oversaturated in, in horror comics and I, which I loved. And then the year before that, like, you know, when, when like, when we were like knee deep in quarantine and we're all like trapped in our houses and we're not sure like what to do with ourselves, it was very like, uh, it was, it, it was very like post-apocalyptic right and and there was yeah. all this like all this like dystopian like we, we were we were like in the dystopian trenches just like we couldn't get away from it and i'm kind of feeling like i feel like this might be the year for fantasy uh, like, it, there's there's a lot more there's some cool fantasy comics coming out and and it's it's weird how the trends go right with with yeah. writing and storytelling and movies and stuff but what's you 
what's your comfort zone? Like if, 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 if someone were to, 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 to push you into a corner, right. And hopefully no one ever does that to you, but like, what, where, where are you comfy at? Cause I've, I mean, you, you, you can write this, you can write superheroes. Um, you can, you can take IPs and, and make them your own really, no matter what they are. Like you're a very versatile writer, but like, where are you most comfy at? Well, yeah, I, I don't think a lot about genre cause I just feel like, um, the story I want to tell can fit in any genre or be part of multiple genres at any time. And in fact, I've written pretty much every, every genre there is. I've done a Western comic. I've done a horror comic. I've done, like, as you say, superheroes and then like, uh, like Hanna-Barbera stuff. Uh, I, I think if I had to choose one, like you said, you can only write one genre going forward. I would probably choose science, science fiction. Uh, but you know, I want There's a fantasy comic I'm pitching around. There's, uh, you know, I, for me, the, the, the genre is kind of a secondary consideration. It's really just about what's the story I want to tell. What's what, what is the metaphor I've got in my head for what it is I want to talk about. And that's really what I think about. Yeah. That's, I, I love that too, about your writing. Cause it is, it is heavy in metaphor. Um, and it's, and not like not heavy as like in a, in a in a burdensome way like but it's just you're you're so damn good at it i just recently read your i, I was like i had this like prep list of, of stuff that i wanted to read before i talked to you right and and so i like had this i had this time i, I was like i'm gonna read you know i got a couple weeks i'm gonna i'm gonna knock all this stuff out and then and then of course you know talk superman um, cause that's, you know, that's, that's your, that's your new baby right now. And that's, you know, what, that's what, that's what you're here to talk about that. And you're, you know, promoting it. Uh, but my, my buddy, um, he comes and he's like, he's like, Oh dude, no, he's like, fuck all of that. You got to read his Lone Ranger comic. Like he's like, he's like, you, it's so good. Like you got to read his And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. And then like, I read it. It's almost like telling like, someone you got to read like a Flintstones comic. Or, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, Lone like, Ranger wait, comic. Time out. What? Um, but yeah, the, the dude, that Lone Ranger comic, the man, that was five wonderful issues. The Tonto dialogue, like, holy shit, man. Like your, your dialogue is always, is always real smart and snappy regardless. But like the whole notion of like uh, property and privilege and, and how, how you make us think about that uh, throughout these five issues while simultaneously like having fun and outsmarting the bad guys. And like, you know, it's, 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 it's one of your more lighthearted pieces. I, you know, I would say, well, to, part partly till till you know you get to like you know some of the, like some of like you know the the, the slave Target. issues and the, yeah, yeah. Slave. but but like i mean the just the the dialogue and and when when tonto's talking to the lone ranger and, and and explaining things to him and it's and there's also like there was a really cool line of like who is whose sidekick and who's really in control here right and and you you played a really fun game with that uh, but I, I mean, I like get just, it just blew my mind. And, and then I shared that on Twitter and so many people and, and everybody's talking about you right now, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to goose you up too much, but like everybody's talking about you. Like you're, you're on the tip of everybody's tongue and everybody's excited for this new Superman book. And, 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 and the, you know, the deluxe edition, the hardcover of, of Flintstones came out not long ago and it's a gorgeous book and people have been buying oh my it. God. I'm so glad that that they finally, you know, put all 12 issues plus the boost.
booster gold crossover together. And this is like sort of my ideal format for people to read it, not only because they get the whole thing collected, uh, but also it's bigger. And, you know, I just think, and they got like a lot of Steve, all the covers there and mm -hmm. a lot of Steve's like character designs. To me, this is like the definitive Flintstones. And I'm just so happy it came out. And uh, Marie uh, Javens is the one who really championed that and made it happen. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very gorgeous book. Uh, and, and I, I've, I'm, I, I won't lie. I won't, I've been reading it on the DC app because I'm a, I'm a poor person. <laughs> I'm not like poor, I don't, not poor, poor, but <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not trying to milk people and yeah, I don't know. You don't need the, uh, the, the tome, but I'm just glad that it's, it's the all all together because my one regret about the Flintstones was that like a lot of, you know, it was possible for people to read the first six issues and never go on and read the next six, mm. but it tells like well, sort of one continuous story. It really is written as like a 12 issue, like sort of novel. And so, uh, you know, in comics, you get this thing you don't read that you don't get in prose books where it's like somebody uh, can feel like they've read a complete story without having read a complete story. Yeah. Is that is that a struggle? Like when I, if you don't get the if you don't get the hardcover collection or the omnibus or like a do, do you, is that like is that ever hard to like keep your I mean because I feel like a lot of people follow you and they're gonna like buy whatever you put out anyway right because you're you're at that you're at that level I feel that's like. my preferred way of doing it yes just because I buy on faith <laughs> it's like it just well because it's but that is interesting because a you blind faith is is very much like interlaced in a lot of your narratives uh it's it's, yes. it's something you you talk about quite a bit so that does i i like that you're i like that you kind of are, are willingly putting that burden of faith on your readers <laughs> i like I, i'm i'm cool that like I, yeah. i'm i'm down uh I, so I do want to I do want to bring that up though because this is one of the things that I was most excited to like talk to you about. As I mentioned earlier, I was raised Catholic. Um, I can't you can't deny these 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 hard hitting, you know, mammoth sized uh, faith, the faith commentary in all your narratives. Uh, we even got it a little bit in the Flintstones, which I loved when they when they, they figure out that you know, they're like we're worshiping a vacuum cleaner, and then they and then they they put the empty chair up on the stage, right? And they're like, who knows what it is? Like just believe in it. And it was like, holy shit, that is me in in private school as a kid, because because my dad put my my dad's or my mom's family is very religious, and my my dad made a promise to my my grandma when when they got married that any kids they had they would put through private school and there was a time when my dad worked three jobs to put my sister and i through private school because it's so fucking expensive right and and so like that i was in, I, like i said i was ingrained in it i was i was raised in it and and, and the flintstones like you they put this empty chair up there and they're like no just believe in it and it's and like so many times in my life like i've had questions but like these priests and these you know the, the priests and brothers and, and sisters and they're like no just look at the empty chair believe in the empty chair and and now you've and you've written cap you've written a captain america short in the snapshots um you've written jesus christ himself and and you're you now you're you're writing superman who is these these are all kind of like they they have like that savior mentality quasi-religious figures yeah yeah and 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 so like what is it that what is it that keeps you coming back to faith like do you struggle with it yourself or 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 do you i mean are are you like me do, do you kind of not 
really believe in it anymore but it's just, it's there like it's always there yeah i think you know like i mentioned earlier writing has become a form of therapy for me and i feel like a lot of what i'm trying to recover from is my early experiences with religion i was brought up in like a like a heavily evangelical uh, uh church at a time when it was making when you know the evangelical movement was making its transition from worshiping christ to worshiping nationalism which i think they've mm -hmm. completed that journey now and so i was disillusioned with a lot of the religion that i brought up with because i realized a lot of it was just you know uh performative victimhood uh so that you can you know to 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 gain power and impose your your beliefs on other people while acting like it's somehow an act of self-defense and so i wanted to like write about like how religion is weaponized or how you once you you use the very real need that people have for some spiritual healing for some spiritual dimension to this universe and pervert it so that you're not your church is no longer an asset to their salvation their salvation is an asset to your church um, or to your cause and that's what I, what I usually write about when I write about religion in my comics is about how people are being betrayed by their institutions about how they are you know I, I this is kind of my critique of all human institutions is that we need institutions that if we're going to live in a civilization but we have to be ever vigilant to make sure that it's the institution serving us as human beings and that we're not being twisted as human beings to serve the institutions so you you have a you have a really interesting line in in the new Superman book um, where he says uh, uh, Clark or Cal is 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 talking to his uh, his hologram father uh, right and um, and he says what do you save the world from when the world itself is such a mess and and Jor-El says my son no one saves the world the best you can do is so fucking smart I, I, oh it, it, like it's so good it irritates me to like read this quote he says the best you can do is to help people survive it but not even that like it, 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 the best you can do is to help people survive it but to also survive it yourself like and 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 survival is very primal right like that that word right. has a very primal vibe and, and it's not so when you say survival there's not really a lot of intimacy to it but in this scene it's very intimate it's very real well very yeah and i think in life in life it's very intimate and it's very real i think this is essentially why we evolved to live in groups is to help each other survive and you know because we live in like a technological civilization that mass produces food and mass produces clothes and shelter we feel we feel like maybe it's you know we, we're not as uh attuned to the idea of it being survival we're just like here to make money or we're here to uh you know have some fun but really when you get down to it what we do get from each other is survival like uh i i the, everything I enjoy in life, everything that gives my life meaning comes from other people. And I think we have to, you know, take a moment to step back from the trappings of civilization uh, and, you know, um, uh, glitzy consumerism and realize that, that this is all the expression of like other people's love and labor. And, and it's really the people behind these things that are, that are helping us survive, not the institutions themselves. And see that, I think that's why I love your stories so much is because you remind us to not only have faith in ourselves, but have faith in each other. And I think these days that it gets tricky. Part of it was quarantine, right? We're all coming, we're, we're becoming social beings again, right? Like we're, we're, 
we've come out of our COVID cocoons and, and we're learning to be social butterflies again. Right. And, and, and we're, you know, comic cons, like you guys are all getting together at, at cons again and, and getting to see old friends and getting to interact with fans and stuff again. But how, how, how do you, and this is kind of probably an, an impossible question to answer, but like how you make it seem really easy to have faith in humanity while we're like naturally juxtaposed with, you know, the, the terror on the news, the, you know, shooting after shooting, after shooting, after, after plague, after plague, after it's, we are just burdened in bad news. Right. And it gets hard. Right. And, and you, and we, and we lose faith in ourselves, man. Cause even if you wake up every day and you're like, I'm a decent person, but I'm still human. And I see the, the, the trauma that, that humans cause. And you're like, you know, yeah, part of that, it may not be my fault, but like, you know, like there's things, you know, like there's guilt there. There's that Catholic guilt in me. That's like, you know, you, you're still kind of a part of this, but like, how, how do you find inspiration in humanity when, when we're oversaturated with, with, with bad news? Well, and I find inspiration from the bad news too. It's like, I feel like, especially over the last 20 years, we've become inundated with sort of manufactured contempt that, you know, there are people whose interest it is in to sort of like do whatever it takes to get us to have contempt for each other. And I think this goes back even farther, you know, to like the 80s when, you know, you, the way you get people to vote against their own interests or to like do things that are destructive to their own benefits and well-being is to convince them that people they don't like are benefiting from it. So it's like people will vote to like cut their own retirement benefits or their own social security or, or healthcare. If they imagine so, like, like an immigrant is also getting it, or if they imagine some welfare queen is getting the benefits that are, that you're also getting, you will, you will uh, cut off your nose to spite your face. And I think that, that, that once politicians and institutions and businesses realized this, we became extremely easy to manipulate and it's been gnawing at the essential bonds of our humanity ever since. And so part of what I want to do is try to reclaim those bonds from the, the people who are making a quick buck trying to dissolve them. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. So in, in, in taking that response is the fact that we are all kind of, whether we want to or not becoming sheep and, and we're malleable, we will, cause we are, we're squishy and we're malleable and, and we can get, we can get, you know, pressed into molds you know sometimes without even noticing it it happens right, right? Well, like we're, we're very like, emotive, oh, we're very emotive. Yeah. it's like it's like you can explain to somebody well actually you know you benefit from this as much as the person you you know are trying to take it from that that's not going to resonate with people what resonates with people a lot of times is like uh there are people crossing the border coming to steal your pizza you know there 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 are gang members coming for your cutlass sierra you know the, you know that sort of thing is like you know fear bad you know it was said before not by me but it said that the american voter is like a dog it doesn't understand these you know like like budget formulas or you know tax it just uh, understands uh, tone and loudness bad or yeah. you know good dog yeah know. Bad citizen. Oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> it understands the rolled up newspaper better than it understands like a, like a, like a, like a spreadsheet. <laughs> oh man. That, that, but that's so true. Now, do you think that that makes it easier to write uh, these narratives that you're, that you're creating? Like the, not that your audience is stupid because if, if your audience was stupid, they couldn't appreciate what you're doing. Cause you, you, you yeah. write, you write on a higher level, 
tier than I think a lot of other writers do. Well, um, I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's people are stupid. I think it's that they're we're, we as human beings are prone to manipulation, especially by people who we think are like us. You know, and it's just why you know it's like every you know anytime is I don't know how many episodes of American Greed you've seen. But uh, there's always this guy who suddenly shows up at your church and seems like, you know, suddenly like praying louder and singing louder than everybody else and then tells everybody how they're going to get rich. And then, it, you know, like a month later, fast forward a month later, he was running a Ponzi scheme and he got, <laughs> I feel like that's sort of the formula of American you know, politics. It's like you come in wearing a suit and tie and like, you know, dangling a little Jesus in front of everybody so they trust you. And then before they know it, you know, you're, you're hanging them from a tree. Yes, definitely. And, and, and I, I'm interested in this notion of, of politics in literature. Uh, and, and I, I will, I, I've, I say this over and over again, comic books is literature. And, and I feel like we've mostly climbed that hill, right? I think most people know that now, but I mean, there's still a few assholes out there who, who think that that's not the case. Um, but you know, there's, there's that, there's that whole group online and, and they keep screaming it at the top of their lungs that like, you know, comic, comic books and politics don't belong together and and we should we should read comics to escape from life not to not to be reminded of the of the trauma that we experience daily really, these are all arguments in favor of the status quo it's like they're happy with yeah. the status quo they don't think that the human race should change or at least they don't think it should change in the, the way that it needs to survive and that's the argument that they that's the argument that makes them seem something like less than radical that the idea that like well i just don't want any comics in comics but of course the choosing the status quo is itself a political choice. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, because you, because you, you can't escape it. And that's, that's the idiocy of uh, 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 like the, you know, the, the just bombastic idiocy of, of that argument is like, you know, the, one of the, one of the key elements of, of feminism when it, when it came about was the, the political is the personal, you cannot escape it. Like these mm. are, they're, they're intertwined. Like if you, even if you don't want them to be, they are like too bad. Like you just, you can't, yeah. you can't escape the, the, the connectivity and the connective well, tissue. I feel like, you know, it's, it's also, you know, sort of the battle cry of like hacks because I think all art is ultimately about subversion. It's about doing something different than what came before showing people a different way or telling the world how it's failed you and trying to like come up with a way it can do better. I feel like that's the driving impulse behind all artistic creation. And uh, to say it shouldn't do that is to say, well, we should just keep regurgitating the same stuff. We should basically be fooling people into giving us their money. Is what what I feel like they're arguing should ha be happening in comics and other art, for art forms if you can't have any like politics or commentary in them. But, but see, I, I feel like, I feel like you do it in a way that's different uh, because it's definitely, it's so there. It, it like your, your stories are, are rich in, 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 in politics and, and, and ground us into like, like I mentioned earlier, like you just remind us how it is to be human. You know, you, you wake up human every day, at least I'm pretty sure. And, and, you know, I go to bed human every day and, and, you know, you see, you think, you know how it is, but then like I read one of your comics and then I'm like, well, shit, like, Mark reminded me something about life that I didn't, I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah. And it's amazing to me and kind of disheartening that people find this like radical or, uh, or, you know, overly political, the, the idea that we should just basically respect each other's humanity. It's like, to me, the people who are arguing we shouldn't do that or who are arguing that it's okay to let, to, to, to drown other people. Those are the radicals. I feel like yeah. I'm saying the, you know, in a way the most obvious thing in the world. 
No, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, 110%. Did, did, is it ever, does it ever become like, um, do you ever wrestle with yourself when you're outlining a story or, or when you're, when you're laying out your plot beats or, or outlining a, a comic or, or something like that, or, you know, thinking of something new, um, did, do you, do you ever wrestle with yourself and, and, and think you're, you're going too far into it or like, or would you, or do you want yourself to go too far into it? Yeah. I think I, when I wrestle myself, it's like the other way. It's like, am I, am I not being courageous enough? Am I not like putting myself on the page enough? Is this just something, is this, am I writing this tactically or am I writing this because this is like me just exposing, you know, what I really think on the page. But yeah, I, I, I don't try to pull that, that instinct to, to, to be blunt and merciless. I feel like I, uh, I criticize a part of myself that wants to like be popular or wants to like pull back from that. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that makes sense too. Um, And, and again, like I, I'm like, come in. Everything you said, I, I don't want to be a fucking sycophant. It's really hard not to be a sycophant talking to you, Mark. Because every everything you say, I'm like, yep, okay, yes, done. Yeah, like I said, I, it's not that it's not that radical. It's not that interesting. It's it's all pretty obvious. I think when you think about it a little bit. Uh, what is it like? What is one of the best things that you can think to say about humanity? Like, what is it? What is something that like these stories that you've written, the, 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 the various characters that you've inhabited and, and put voice to on the page and the various, th- and, and you've had a myriad of, of, of lessons to teach yeah. in your narratives, but like, what's, what's one of the crucial aspects of, of humanness that like, here's, you here's you my well defense on? of humanity in a nutshell. There are only 8 billion of us, which seems like a lot, but not when you consider that for all we know, we're the only sentient, uh you know species in the universe uh capable of thinking about the universe on its own terms so that's roughly one for every 10 million galaxies uh so we're we're in a lot of ways as far as we know the most incredibly precious and rare uh resource in the universe because we give the universe what it otherwise would not have which is an experience of itself and to me for someone to like to like minimize that or to uh suggest that that's not worth preserving is insane because it's it's i mean there could be millions of other sentient intelligent species out there but we don't know about them so for all we know we're it we're the one species thinking about the universe and and allowing the universe to be sort of appreciated on its grand scale and if we're gone then it just seems like the lights have turned out for 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 everything and i don't know why people can't appreciate that as being if you know if not you know incredibly unique then at least something worth saving holy shit man (laughs) that's that's amazing. I uh, that rem- I can't remember what comedian said this a while back, but it was it was it was someone this 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 comedian was like, you know, hey, like yeah, they're like, of course aliens are real. Like this is what you know, he was like. You know what I don't like about humanity? Humanity is the one thing that thinks that it's so important that we believe in this god and this this being that like made all this shit for us and made ever made you know has this extensive plan and all these things made this vast universe and 
and just made all of this as like a nightlight for humanity. Like there's there's nothing out there but stars for for like you fucking little pissant motherfuckers to like look at on your you know like to to right. to drink a glass of whiskey on on your porch at night and and look at all this that's lit up for you and it's just like yeah it's just for you it's not for anybody else. Um, but but if there but, if there are like a billion other civilizations out there in the stars that we don't know about, which is possible, I you know we're none of them are experiencing universe quite the same way we are yeah so don't we at least want to preserve that that that, that this is like you know I, I feel like if i had to define the purpose of life it's this it's to like be you know like we're looking all looking through our own little people into the universe and what you know the universe is seen through your people is different than the universe seen through my people and so each of these experiences give us a complete picture and you know even if there are a million other galaxies uh, or a million other civ- sentient civilizations in this galaxy uh none of them have quite the same people we do and that's something to be respected fact that we are giving the universe a vantage point into itself that would not exist without us yeah yeah man uh and and now what do you what do you say like on that note of 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 that that kind of exclusivity right of the individual uh which you know we want to be like you know we want to be these like unique snowflakes right like you know all of us are different and all of us have something to like bring to the world but in the reality like not everybody does have unique wonderful things to bring to the world like we've seen this like it it, we it 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 some people people choose not to look through the people you know which is just tragic um but they have the capacity to and I feel like collectively we all like I think that that this the story of human development and culture for all its like horrific you know crimes and and uh, debaucheries has also produced this incredibly rich record of experience too that would not exist as far as we know anywhere in the universe without it and uh, and I think that that that's that's that needs to be on the ledger as well. And I, you know, a lot of these things you've said, like I see in your Flintstones comic, which like, who the fuck ever thought I would have just said that sentence to somebody like, oh, these, these like really unique and and both like intimidating and inspiring outlooks to humanity were very much reflected in this Flintstone comic that, that you wrote, but, but it is, is they, they had this idea for bedrock, right. And they like, they made it happen. And I, I love that like Barney and Fred are like these, uh, these vets. Right. And they like had to fight the tree people and, and they're, they're living through that trauma. Uh, even though like, as a lot of times we don't see this in war, but like in this instance, like they did bring about a new element to society that isn't entirely negative, right? There's the idea of crap and all the weirdness that you, you know, populate in this world there, there's a lot of negativity too, but there, I mean, it it is a new way of being in in a modern there, there's a modernity in it. Right. Um, Well, I think there's a way to look at history too. It's like, yeah, history is like a, like a repository of all the, greatest meditations of humanity and also the worst crimes and the bad doesn't undo the good nor does the good absolve the bad it's just all part of the experience i think the challenge is to um to acknowledge them both for what they are and choose accordingly okay that is fucking genius but also how do you do that in your storytelling uh because there there is there is sometimes a good and a bad even even when you walk that gray line right um, well, i think the way you do it is you just write about both and you know present them both and don't try to act like you know like there's the good parts of humanity exist without the bad nor the bad without the good 
And I think people make their own choices about then what they, they want to value or what they valued, at least about the way you presented humanity. How on that note, like where did your idea for, for this Flintstone narrative come from? Like where, what, when, what, what was that moment where you were like, laying in bed or whatever maybe and, and and woke yourself up and you were like bing like good like where where did that notion come from of, of how to tie in this like good old pastime goofy cartoon of dinosaurs and people living together to a very a, a, a very like intense uh uh mirror image of our of our current day-to-day well, you know, I was offered the Flintstones comic before I had really any ideas of what to do with it. So I, it just kind of came from me thinking about, well, how am I going to make this interesting to me? Because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Flintstones. And I thought, even if I was, the worst thing in the world you could possibly do is some sort of tasteful homage. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, well, what is it that's going to be interesting to in this? And that, when it occurred to me that, you know, the bedrock was like the world's first civilization. So I was just going to make this my polemic about civilization and what it gets wrong. So basically, we, we just blame all the foundational errors of civilization on bedrock and just make it a comic about that. But all the things that are going are wrong with our civilization, they started the consumerism, the dehumanization, the exploitation. It all started in bedrock. <laughs> <laughs> it did it did like it did, oh man i don't remember a lot of the cartoons from when I, I i remember the big rack of ribs and how it knocks over the the the, yeah. the foot cart right like in the in the credits because i i wasn't ever now the opening is like the best part yeah the that, i was never really into the cartoon like i, no. I just wasn't I remember as a kid you watch the openings the song's catchy and there's that all that funny stuff with the ribs and the car falling mm-hmm. over and then as soon as the actual cartoon starts you, you know you begin losing interest you'd go make a jelly sandwich or something <laughs> that was like that was like the uh the 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 series you watch right to like kill time and play on your phone before we had phones to play on like yeah, that would be like, like, <laughs> it was what you watched when i was a kid this is how long ago that was it was what you watched after school because it was you know on what was one of three channels you know it was the one cartoon that was on during that time <laughs> what um what gives you inspiration these days, Mark? Like, I mean, you, you, I've, I've mentioned that like you have this really great grasp on humanity, uh, which not not many people, artist or not, writer or not, you know, uh, you know, you, you just you have this strong outlook on what we are as a people. But like, what what gives like what what, what do you read or watch these days that that like sets apart from from the mundane bullshit that we waste our time on i read a lot and um the things that i read that that like ultimately sort of i think make it into what i'm writing because it's like this is just such a you know inspirational profound thought or it gets me like thinking about other ideas you you know i read a lot of like science and i read a lot of philosophy and uh in a lot of history and those are the three things that i read that end up sort of like usually making it into my writing because those are the things that like um sort of amplify my mentality, meaning I, I read it and I'm not only learning what I'm reading, but it's causing me to think about things in a positive way to like, to like cre- create my own opinions that I have nothing to do with what I'm reading. Do you ever get, uh, do you ever like get too intense for yourself? 
Like, do, do you ever do you ever get like you know, I mean like I I I mean I, so, I say it as a joke right too, way of saying depressed. <laughs> do you ever do you ever write yourself into a wild fit of depression? You don't know how to get out of it. Yeah, I mean I don't have to I don't have to write very hard to to do that. It like uh, <laughs> mostly yeah. I think this is one of the things I, I reading inspires me and and watching the news depresses me. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to like you know I try to balance the two. Uh, but but yeah, the, I think that's the cycle of life. It's like the it, the reading the news or watching the news, uh, or however I get the news, makes me want to curl up a ball and disappear forever. And uh, but reading, you know, the the great thoughts of other people makes me want to come out of the ball and start living again. Man, man what a dude! That needs to be on like a T-shirt or a poster <laughs> in a library, like, like just like. T-shirt. Get out, get like just unravel your your armored roly poly self and and read a book and experience yeah. life again. Like I feel like I, I, was I agree. Life, you know, <laughs> I mean, I just I so many you know so many people don't read, which I've noticed. Like yeah. you know, um, you know, a lot of my friends are like, "Well, I don't read comics," and I'm like, "Well, what are you reading?" And they're like, well, I'm like well, yeah. "You got you like you got to read something like." You know, like yeah, we can get the, the, you know yeah, you can watch that. You can watch shows and you can watch yeah, a movie. Like, and... Don't get me wrong, I love TV, I love movies, uh, but it's it's something I'm I generally just consume. Whereas reading, I think, is what sort of I think makes me grow. Not to be a you know a medium snob or anything, but it's just sort of like uh, it's it's not so much that the everything is being written is great and everything is being shown on TV or movies is crap. It's just more that, you know, when I'm reading, I'm inside my own head. Yeah. And when I'm inside my own head, that's where I begin to like sort of, you know, when I'm not like exposed to a lot of uh, stimuli, sensory stimuli, that's when I begin to think for myself. Whereas when I'm, you know, watching a TV show or a movie and there's tons of brilliant TV shows and movies, I'm more passive. I'm more sort of receiving what they're saying and enjoying it on its own level. Now, do you, when you read like... I know, I know you're you're a, you're a book reader, but like as as someone who is writing comics right now and and doing well at that, like are are you do you read a lot of comics right now? Like, or I mean, are you? I read comics. I don't know if I'd say I read a lot. I probably no one's gonna, no one's going to call you out. By the way, like I'm not. No one's going to yeah. shame you like or anything. I just like no. I probably I'm not read, to throw you under the bus. I probably read a lot fewer comics than most comics creators, but I do read them, and uh, yeah, and I and I'm always. I read them selectively and, and, and usually I'm not disappointed. Like when I, something sounds good to me or it's by a creator I really like, it's usually, a, you know, a, a really gratifying experience. Uh, so, but I, but I, but I, probably, but I read a lot of non-comics too, a lot of like prose. Yeah. So I feel like that's where most of my, you know, personal growth happens when i'm reading something that's purely internal into my brain yeah because even even comics when you're still reading but you're you're guided by imagery right like there's that yeah and that's great because that's the way the human brain works right you're processing images while you're processing words at the same time so comics are are fantastic medium for that but i feel like the things that i want to put into comics usually come from other other mediums that's cool though i i dig that now when you're when you read for you like are you, do you read are do you read fiction are you are you are you a nonfiction guy like are you are historical narratives like what do you what kind of prose do you read when i read prose i almost always read nonfiction, like either essays or uh history or you know stuff about science and philosophy when i'm reading comics i almost always read fiction and i think that's to me that's the the the, the, the dividing line is that i i 
visual mediums like comics, TV, and film, I want these to be the repositories of people who've had like, you know, incredible, you know, thoughts or like are putting together all the information they're getting from books and from life into like, you know, a condensed, you know, fictional format for me to enjoy. And that's what I love about those mediums. Whereas I think books, uh, I, I go to more to like sort of inform the creative instinct that will then create these other mediums. Okay. All right. When you read, are you do you do you do you read read? Are you an audiobook guy? I do both because you know I uh, I spend time in the car or running. Uh, I like to be able to read when I'm doing that. So I have nothing against audiobooks or um, or podcasts or obviously uh, or. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I feel like the key is that you're in your head, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's coming in through your ears or your eyes. I don't really, you know, it's weird to, to, to bigot one of your sensory inputs over another. I just like the fact that it's like sort of in my head. Uh, and it's, it's what allows my imagination to sort of create its own uh, sort of versions of what, I'm, of what I'm hearing or reading, as opposed to a visual format, which then kind of takes over my creativity. Now, as someone like you who has like who has who has big ideas and, and big thoughts and and critiques on you know who we are as people and and and, and as a species uh, even uh, like what I feel like sometimes it might be easy for you to get too caught up in your own head. And now, what do you have any like exercises or or uh, uh, do you have any kind of like recommendations for for people that get too caught up? Yeah. In the midst my of their own training, like how do you get out of it every now and then? I, I write. Uh, to me, that's like you know, sort of like you know, I, I cleaning off a tray or something. It's like cleaning your desk. Uh, I write and I get the, a lot of those thoughts on paper, and then I'm sort of liberated, uh, and I'm able to go on and collect more junk uh, <laughs> after that. Do you ever teach? Do you ever do you ever do any any like writing yeah, workshops? I, I I don't teach much now because I've, I've just been so busy writing. But uh, yeah, I've taught like comics writing classes at Portland State University, uh, and I enjoy doing it. Um, I'll probably go back to doing it when I have more time. Yeah, I just I I asked just because you've said like a lot of real fucking smart things that like have blown my mind in this like hour and sixteen minutes we've talked, and like as I mentioned, like my my BA is in creative writing. I dropped out of my MFA because I'm a fucking moron. But like my my MFA was like you know like I I talk to all these writers all the time, and and like you've just you've said like a lot of shit that I kind of wish I heard when I was younger in these programs that like no one mentioned and no one said and like. I just I feel like there's a lot of hungry minds that could could well, benefit you. on the Mark on these on these little Mark Russell tidbits that that luckily are going to be dropped on Blake's buzz. So like I get that shit. Like <laughs> tune into my show, baby. We got the smart shit. <laughs> but no, I just you you talk you you talk like a you talk kind of like a writing professor sometimes. Well, thanks. Yeah, there. I think there's a lot of great writing teachers out there. There's a lot of really bad writing teachers out there. Yeah. I think the difference is that a bad writing teacher will teach you how to write like they do or like how yeah. uh, like Philip Roth does. Whereas a good writing teacher will teach you how to write like you do. Yeah. You know, they'll teach you to like unlock your own unique creativity. And I, and I think that's like, that's, that's the harder way too, right? Cause like you, you could be a successful writer and you'd be like, this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what made me successful. I did this, 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 and this. I write a story like this, this, and this. I outline a story like this. But yeah, like there are, and, and I, I've had teachers on both sides that like that that find those students and and show you how to do things a way that's good for you, 
um or or actually they the good teachers kind of like blend them right they're like i did this i see you doing this there's a way we can make both yeah, of these things they, work maybe right it's okay to offer you know if like like a student is struggling with some offer them like a plethora of solutions that have worked for you but i think that what's harmful is like saying well this is the way you write you know this is this your 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 voice should sound like this you should you know uh this is the way to do it i think it's more like like fooling people into feeling like writers than it is to like actually encourage them to be a writer which you're not really a writer i think unless you are are uh struggling with what to say and if you just have like these sort of cliches or these you know um tricks to put things on page which sound plausibly like a writer then you know you're just sort of fooling people into thinking you're a writer i remember i was when i was in my when i was in my ba i was at avila university and uh i was in this writing class and i was i was writing this novel and like i was writing this like stream of conscious narrative and i had this idea for like the stream of conscious and i was like i wasn't going to use quotation marks right because i was like if, if it's a stream of conscious and you're in your own head there's no quotation marks right you're just saying things and so i would just like write the dialogue without quotation marks and i remember like the workshop got heated because the professor was like you gotta fucking use quotation marks man you can't just you can't like you're you're fucking undergrad you're an unpublished undergrad you can't just remove quotation marks like they're there for a reason and the the class was like no like i like don't put those quotation marks in there like so like the, these students were like digging it and the professor was just like yeah like an, uh, unwavering like no like you have to do it this way and it was just like it was really it was it was a weird it was a weird workshop yeah, I think uh, and, the only hard and fast rule is clarity. So if like the quotation marks are necessary to making it clear that this is dialogue, then use them. But if if it's clear that it's dialogue without them, then why not? You know, Jose Saramago wrote a lot like that where he didn't like a lot of like squiggly lines and weird sort of symbols on on the page because he felt like that that felt like a uh, like anar you know, anachronistic. He felt like that that this looks like something out of like the, the Victorian era. It's all these like sort of quotation marks and. Uh, ampersands and or you know uh 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 ebb dashes and stuff so he wrote with like minimum not only a minimum of quotation marks but a minimum of uh of punctuation because he just thought that looked cleaner he just wanted there to be no sort of barrier between the reader and the words and it but it, you read it and it's perfectly clear what's dialogue you're not confused it's not like reading you know a kerouac poem it's it's perfectly <laughs> clear at all times what's happening on the page and i think that's the only real rule that matters it's like is is the uh reader going to understand what's happening do you care about your readers in the sense of when you're writing like do you ever obviously you care about your readers you want us to buy your fucking books and you want us to like enjoy your work and experience it you know but like when, when you're writing do you and we, we kind of touched on this earlier about like the pressures of writing like an iconic character like superman and and do you like worry about what people think but like just in general like does your audience like cross your mind at times when you're in these really intense moments or or like you mentioned earlier, like this is you're writing, you're writing this thing, right? That this is this, yeah. there's this thing that's accumulating in you that you have to get out. More of the latter. Uh, the one time I do think about my readers and like uh, wonder about them while I'm writing is just to sort of like hoping that they, they, they get it the way I, I get it. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Maybe I change is like, maybe I move this to its own panel or I make this a splash page because this moment, this line is incredibly important to me. And I want it to be incredibly important to them, too. So I try to give it some adding significance uh, so it just doesn't get lost in the shuffle of, like, dialogue or storytelling. 
Okay. All right. I dig that. Now I'm, I've almost kept you for an hour and a half and I, and I know you, I know you, it's, it's Friday night. And thank you for like spending it with me. It's, I so this is how I spend my weekends, <laughs> <laughs> but like to, to kind of wrap things up and, and you know, like of, of all your wonderful stories, but you know, tonight, you know, we're, we're here to really celebrate and, and get the word out about, about your new Superman narrative. Um, but like, when we when we talk about faith and when we talk about saviors right and when, and when we talk about elements of humanity that need saving or or need preserving um and and you know and, and you've written like i mentioned you've written uh, captain america one shot you've written jesus christ you've now written superman and like what parts uh, I'm, I'm sorry i'm trying to i'm trying to make myself sound cooler instead of just like asking this question but like what makes you the the right person to tell the right Superman story at this time, which feels like the right time, even though it's a historical Superman novel, but like you are touching on so many things that we are dealing with every day and the struggle of like of the struggle of getting out of bed, the struggle of going to work, the struggle of sacrifice, this, the struggle of like experiencing humanity for, for the goodness and the badness. Like, how are you that authority and what makes you, what, 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 what gives you the credit to, to, to oh, tell gives you the story? right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm not sure that I have the right. I'm not sure that I am the, the authority, but I, what I do feel is that like Superman's the right character for this day and time. And it's amazing to me that anyone, one feels like they that it's impossible to make superman relevant it's like i have a hard time imagining a, a superhero that's more relevant for this time and place because it feels like the world is backsliding into nationalism and you know fascism and that we are sl sliding inexorably towards you know uh the extinction of the human race and if those aren't times when you need the optimist then i don't know what time when you do uh, and to me, Superman is fundamentally an optimist. And I think that what, you know, the fact that like we are losing hope makes it more precious than ever. And that's to me what Superman always sort of symbolized. And that's what I wanted this to be a, a meditation on more than anything else is like the value of hope in the face of hopelessness. Does that ever get hard? Like to, it's always to hard. Yeah. Yeah. Does, like, I, I mean, like, cause yeah, I, I just, it, it, I, it's so hard to be, especially now like it's so easy to like gain traction with negativity online and it's easy to get like likes and retweets for like a shitty hot take where you're putting something down you know and it's like you know the the world is going off a cliff on a raft and all the incentives that we've created for people are to paddle the raft even faster towards the cliff <laughs> and so it becomes incredibly hard to find hope in that but there is hope in that we um there are people who are are who are willing to stand up and say you know and and, and uh stand up against the cliff well man i'm 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 glad you got a paddle in your hand dude like i'm <laughs> i'm i'm glad that you're that force keeping the raft from, from going over. Cause I, I think that not just in comics, I think like just in life and literature, we need more people like you, but also we very much need more people like you in comics that aren't scared to tell these kinds of stories um, that, that don't stop themselves from telling these kinds of stories. You know, we, you know, there's, there, there was that discourse going around, you know, like this, you know, Superman is boring. And what did you just show us? Like you just showed us that like, 
for a hundred pages, Superman is so not boring. No, he's and 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 for that well, next hundred pages, he's still not going to be boring. And for the third issue, for those hundred pages, like did, I have no like. I, I have all the faith in you that like these, the issue two and three are going to carry that same vibe. And I'm just, I'm just so happy that like, that you're, that you're here to tell us these stories at, at this specific time. And it, and it's so wild that like this story is, is at a different time while still inspiring us in the modern. Yeah. And I, I can't, like I can't thank you enough just as as like someone who's giving us that kind of hope the same hope that the S insignia inspires like you are you're gifting that to your readers and you're reminding us that like it's not it's not a hopeless endeavor humanity still has goodness there are still heroes in the world there's still things to look forward to cuz it, it it gets it gets hard man it really does and that's why I love comic books and superheroes and because they remind us, you know, that there's there's light at the end of the tunnel and and you're you are really good at, at reminding us of that. So like like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, like, thank you for doing that. Um, well, thank we you. We need it. Thanks. We need it right now, man. We really do. I agree. And I, you know, that's very uh, it's very meaningful to me that you would say so. So thank you. Well, I, I just, um, this was so, this was like, so cool, dude. Like, I, I thank you so much for like talking to me and not just you spent your Friday night with me, which is just insane. Like, uh, I, it was, this was, uh, this was inspiring. I think my audience is going to love it. If they don't, I'll fucking cancel my show. <laughs> Fuck them all. all right. This was a, this was a really great interview. And, and, and I, I know I've, I've kept you a while. And, and so the, the polite podcast host that I am, Mark, like, this is where I, obviously everybody needs to go buy the new Superman book. We need to, we, everybody needs to get space age. Number one. It's what else are you going to do with that fucking 10 bucks? What's what's 10 <laughs> bucks going to get you in today's day and age, like a fucking quarter pounder and fries or a really great, uh, a really great, basically original graphic novel that will entertain you for an hour and a half or so. And, and then make you think about it for a day or two after. Like it, that, that, that's a well spent $10. Okay. Anyways, I could keep going, but Mark, where do we find you? Where do we keep track of you? Where's like, where's like the best place to, to, to follow you online and all that good stuff. Uh, best place is on Twitter. I'm most active there. And my handle is at Manrus, M-A-N-R-U-S-S, like a, like a man walrus. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, yes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please follow him. Please. As, as we mentioned, the, the deluxe edition of Flintstones is out. It's, it's amazing. Uh, issue one of, uh, of Superman space age is out right now. It is also amazing. He's doing some cool stuff with Ahoy. He's got some, uh, he's got some other stuff coming out. That's, that's really great. Uh, Snagglepuss, Flintstones, AWA, not all robots. Uh, this guy just drops good stories. Like the sky drops rain son of a bitch it's crazy mark dude this was so fun like thank you so much i i, I will remember this forever and, and 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 everything i said man I, I really mean it like you are a storyteller of the times and the the way that you remind humans to appreciate humanity like you, it's just something that you're so good at and you're so damn charming and talented and 
I'm wow. just really I'm just really glad you're around to to tell us stories and and tuck us into bed at night. I'm just well, appreciate it. Well, thank you, Blake. That I'm, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to keep going until they kick me out. <laughs> if they kick you out, you send them to me. I'll talk to them. I'll <laughs> I'll be like, no, no, no. You let them hang around for a minute. But no, man. I I again, I, I really appreciate it. And this was so cool. And and I, I'm 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 around. Like I I can't wait to read what I I can't wait to 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 see the, the 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 human struggle you put count chocula through because i just can't i just can't well, he imagine goes it. a lot yeah he has a bad time well I, i'd I like bet. to thank you and thank all your listeners this has been a great experience <laughs>